This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. It is time to break down the now-expanded Big 12 Pierce and I were just talking off podcast about uh, the new faces, and I had to be reminded some of these teams that are now in the Big 12, a different look for them, and it's going to continue to evolve in the next few years, but I'm sure y'all are tired of hearing about conference realignment. I sure as hell am, so let's talk about what we actually have here on paper with these Big 12 teams. Uh, It's going to be an interesting year, going to be a potentially interesting year, potentially snoozer of a year. For the Big 12. Before we get into it, I need to introduce my co host, I'm Madison. I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Um, the juices are flowing. I was in the lunch line at the cafeteria this um, around noon today and get this. I, I usually go in with the sandwiches. Um, I usually get the go to the deli section, get the sandwiches. There's the same uh, little old lady who makes my sandwiches every day or my wraps. Um, and my God, she, of all people, was just talking my head off about football, about the Titans this, the Titans that. I have talked with her 150 times over the last four years, and not once have I ever, has she ever mentioned football. So clearly football is in the air. Um, I, I walked away from there with an odd look on my face, and everybody else who, uh, cafeteria staff, looked at me like, yeah, she's been going on about it all day. So football is in the air. I actually was so excited. I looked up. Uh, I was like, wait. Do we have a few weeks now till uh, college football starts? It is less than two weeks away. I mean, it is right around the corner. I know that first weekend, not the greatest slate, but hey, football is football. As uh, as I realized this week, watching all the preseason games, man, I knew I would watch them all or as many as I could. And and boy, even though you don't know many of the players or you, it might not be the greatest games, you still flip them on and you watch the whole thing. It is it's football at the end of the day. So um, we're right around the corner. Football is football. To uh, to your point. Um, it wasn't the prettiest football ever, but it was in fact something to watch. I also watched, uh, some football this weekend, uh, but it came in the form of the Braves absolutely slaughtering the Mets. So 21 to three, that, that was also a a nice football game right there. Um, yeah, let's jump right into it, Pierce. I mean, this is a conference that you know and love because of your alma mater being, uh, or for this being home to your alma mater, I should say. And, uh, we didn't do a breakdown. I've gotten some crap from people because we didn't do a wrap up of the the season last year. I know it's really just, it's just, I don't know. No excuses. We'll do it this year, but obviously the TCU. I don't Horn- think I could have talked about it. Yeah. He was down bad. Pierce was down bad at the end of that. Um, listen, you looked at me at one point in the game. It was 10 to seven Horn Frogs had scored in their first and only touchdown of the game. And you said, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. They can't stop us. Okay. That's all I'll say about that. No comment. About a quarter later, he was like, that's it. I'm leaving. And well, the reason I said that was because I had already had 38 of those canned wines. And so there wasn't anything that was going to stop me from being cocky in that one. But yeah, that's uh, that's as far as I'll, as much as I'll talk about that game. SoFi Stadium, the home to the world's most expensive in-stadium alcoholic beverages. I'll just say that. All right. Well, let's jump into it, Pierce. Let's talk about this Big 12 season. 
last year of Texas and Oklahoma being in the Big 12. Going to be weird to wrap our heads around that. Um, I don't know. We're in, we're in the age of realignment. We'll see if the Big 12 does anything else to mitigate that. I mean, they've already added BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF this season, now part of the Big 12. Um, and I'll just kick it off here. Those are my most intriguing teams. I think that's going to be very interesting to see, Pierce. These schools, some of which have raised cane for the past few years of, you got to let us in the playoff. You know, just because we're a group of five doesn't mean that we can't, uh, you know, make some noise. And finally they did. They let Cincinnati in a few years ago, and they got absolutely just clobbered by an Alabama team. Um, And so we'll see. We'll see what they do here in the Big 12. Um, My best bet here, if you're going to, to make any kind of a friendly wager with friends or family of which team is going to the best of those. It'd be UCF because of what Gus, Gus Malzahn has built in Orlando. Um, but I don't think the rest it's going to be, I think it potentially could be a bumpy road. And I think this is put up or shut up time of, yeah, it's one thing to beat a, a team or, or, or play close to a team. Again, looking at you, Cincinnati uh, play close with a team that is in the power five and has a ton of opt outs and nothing to play for because it's a peach bowl. That's not a, a, a playoff game. It's another thing to have to do that week in and week out, and you don't get the Tulsas and the Bowling Greens and the you know the FIUs of the world. So, going to be interesting to me. Those are my most intriguing teams in this conference: UCF, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati, of course, Pierce, without Luke Fickle this year too. So that's also going to be an uphill battle for them breaking in a new coach, new regime, all of that stuff in a new conference in a what I would consider, and I don't think it's a very um, off-base take more of a competitive conference than they're used to. So that's my most intriguing team. What about you? Yeah, first I gotta, I gotta respond to some of your uh, points there, which I love. Um, first off, who would have thought, I, I, I'm not going to lie, reading the tea leaves, um, you know, a couple years ago when um, Oklahoma and Texas declared for the SEC and then USC, UCLA, I, I'm not going to lie. When Texas and Oklahoma left, I thought, oh my gosh, TCU could be one of these teams left at the altar and, and not have any any big conference to to jump into. Thankfully, I think they're okay having made a national championship. I think that that will carry some weight if the Big Twelve does disband. But I I actually think in in a weird way, I never would have thought that a conference aligning themselves with more basketball schools would be a good thing. But strangely enough, you know, you look at it. Uh, big Twelve also added Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona, and Utah. So you bring some great basketball programs into the mix. Um, Utah is a very good program uh, when it comes to football. I can promise you there's not one team in the Big 12 that wants to go um, and play on the road at Utah. It's one of the tougher places to play. Um, So they've done a good job of kind of not making big splashes, but doing enough in you know, the basketball realm and also keeping the conference alive where I do think that they're going to be able to hang around at least for another, uh, you know, five to seven years. Once these, um, I don't see, I don't think you're going to see any more programs jump from, uh, the big 12, so to speak. Um, I also, it's interesting. You want to look back at the case study of those four teams coming over to the big 12 this year and how they might fare. Um, I think two of the best examples coming from non-power fives were TCU and Utah. Um, obviously Utah maybe didn't have the pedigree that uh, TCU did. TCU had been to a Rose bowl. They had been to a Fiesta bowl. So they were coming off two great, great seasons. Um, 
so I think they were pretty good, pretty well prepared. These teams, other than Cincinnati, have not really had all that much success. Um, UCF has been a good team as of late. Obviously, hey, they had that undefeated team with Scott Frost where they claim a national title. Um, but, you know, you look at it and Cincinnati got raided. Luke Fickle took all the people he wanted from Cincinnati. They now have a new coach there. Um, BYU is an interesting one because while I'm not sure if they're going to come in and be world beaters, you got to remember these are grown men that are playing for BYU because they're playing as freshmen at 20 years old. So you've got 24 to 26 year olds on that team. Um, so that certainly make, can make a difference in the long run. I know from when TC was in the mountain West that BYU was the worst team to play against because they were really dirty. Um, so believe it or not, um, you would think of a, of a religious school as maybe those not Mormons. being so dirty, but they are. Yeah, man. I heard down at the bottom of those piles got, got weird. Um, well, as long as they weren't soaking, it's fine. <laughs> well, uh, you never know. Maybe it was a thumb. You never know. Um, anyway, and yeah, I agree. I think UCF is set up best to be um, the top team or the top incomer, uh, incoming team this year. I think Malzahn does have some talent there. We'll see, though. They've got a, It's a lot of travel, and it's a step up. My most intriguing team, and there's a number of different ways you can go. Since you kind of took all four, I w- had BYU in the mix. I got to go Texas Tech. This is a boring one. I got to admit, I wrestled with TCU coming off a national championship season. Some people think they're either going to be you know, solid to good or be really bad. Um, so <laughs> high variance. Uh, but Texas Tech, man, it's a, it's a fascinating case study. Last year, looked improved, new coach. Um, obviously going into his second year, you tend to see, um, a, a lot of coaches have had success in that second year. You see Kirby smart one in his second year. I think Nick Saban came close or won it his second year. Um, so you, you, that you, there's a, there's a real thing about a sophomore jump and they're getting a lot of uh, hype this off season. And that scares me because I kind of generally, I know this is going to sound cocky as a TCU alum, but I've always kind of looked down at Texas tech. Great, great university as far as like fun and good people there but i just i'm not too worried about their football program but who knows mcguire knows how to coach i think that's his name i don't know why i just had a brain fart um yeah they're, joey they're, mcguire they're, joey mcguire i keep i kept thinking harry mcguire but that's a, a soccer player um yeah joey mcguire obviously came from the high school ranks he's recruited well um and so th- they're certainly a team on the up and up we'll see if they can make that jump into what most people think or what some people are calling potentially a sleeper um to win the big 12 just like tcu was last year it's funny uh watching that quarterback show i couldn't think of the name of it for a second the quarterback show on netflix and you forget like patrick Mahomes went to texas tech like you forget that yeah, they yeah. have had a bevy and of they were awful yeah, they've had a bevy of talent come through, particularly the, the quarterback position, whether or not they retained that talent or whether they moved on, um, you know, Baker Mayfield and stuff like that. Uh, they've had talent. They've never put it together fully um, and had enough around those pieces. But, um, you know, maybe it could be to your point. Maybe maybe this there's some some interesting stuff brewing in Lubbock. Yeah, and they can they they have had talent on the defensive side, but I think that's been where you know, some of their downfall has been, and I'm not even sure it's totally on the defense. You know, when you play that um, as they did under Mike Leach and and have really under Cliff Kingsbury and company, that high up tempo offense, you know, as you've seen with certain programs, it, it it's good to be exciting and win you a lot of games, but that puts a lot of pressure and strain on your defense because your defense is having to go out there 
so often um, and, and more than it's used to. So I think that might be a product of why their defense has really kind of struggled um, when they've had good players and even had some good, you know, success seasons. But uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be a fascinating case study this year to see if um, Joey McGuire can, can turn this thing around. And, and a lot of people think he will. Well, let's move on here to our next question, next topic of the night. It's the most anticipated game. Uh, now, there's some interesting ones here, but also, you know, you and I, quite frankly, at the beginning of this, it's not like a Pac-12 where there's just so much interesting stuff popping out at you. It feels like the Big 12 might be a little bit more chalk. So I'm actually going to go outside the conference here and look at September 9th, Texas at Alabama. We all remember how it ended last year, Alabama in Austin wins by a point. And if it weren't for a Bryce Young doing Bryce Young things, Bama doesn't win that game. Um, there's a lot of people who are calling for this to be a Texas comeback revenge game. It's easier said than done. You are in Tuscaloosa. You know, did they get a little bit of a of a help because it was a home crowd, potentially? Uh, will that matter in Tuscaloosa? Tuscaloosa doesn't have a lot of these big profile games, so you know, you never really know how their crowd is going to get up for it. They could potentially come and show out, or they might potentially be that sleepy library that Bryant Denny has been known to be. Um, there's no Bryce Young this year, and we don't know who the quarterback's going to be at Alabama. And if you believe some of the whispers and rumors coming out, it's not looking great for them at that QB position. Uh, they've got plenty of other pieces, though. So, you know, you get somebody, you look back all the times that Saban won the national championship, he just had competent quarterbacks. He didn't have, you know, people that were going to go on and be number one draft picks. So that's going to be interesting. I don't mean to talk only about Alabama here, but I don't, I don't want to bring this up again for the SEC preview, even though it's going to be a highly anticipated game, because this is about Texas. I think Texas has the potential to shock the world here. I didn't want to just take the easy, low hanging fruit with them being the most intriguing team um, because a lot of people are doing that, right? That's the easy thing. That's the easy way out. And they're going to be very interesting to watch. Sarkeesian is one of the best offensive minds in football. He's got one of the best quarterbacks at his helm. Quinn Ewers is going to take another huge step up this year. Obviously, um, you know, he was, we got to finally see glimpses of him last year. Not glimpses. We got to see him after seeing glimpses. Can't put words together. I'm just so excited to see what this Texas team is going to be. A lot of people, it's the joke of the college football world of Texas is back. Every year, Texas is back. Texas is back. This could be the year Texas is back. They're going to have to get over the Alabama hump, though, at least play very, very close because that's the kind of thing that you can point to if they do drop Oklahoma or if they do drop a Texas Tech. I don't even know if they draw Texas Tech, but if they drop a team or two this year, at least you can point to an Alabama win. Um, and I think that that is the potential thing that gets them. It's so early on in the season, it gets the ball rolling for this Sarkeesian Texas hype train that's already building and, and has been boiling to a point of almost boiling over the pot for the past few years of, is this the year? Is this the year? This could be the year. Gonna have to do well in Tuscaloosa though, in order for it to, uh, continue the momentum. Otherwise, you know, I think you're already kind of looking at people going, oh, they're not back. They're not back. Because the other thing is, uh, on one side of the thing, the Texas Longhorns can't wait to be able to actually bring to fruition Sam Ellinger's we're back. But on the other side of the thing, the rest of the college football world will pop that balloon with a needle so freaking quick if they come out and look flat versus uh, Alabama, especially an Alabama team that people think, what are we looking at here? So that's my most intriguing game of the season. Went a little chalk, Pierce. What have you got? So I, I agree with you. I think that's the most excited I am for a Big Twelve game <clears throat> this season. Just going to be a, a hell of a, a hell of a matchup. A lot of questions on Alabama side from a QB standpoint. 
but they're at home. They're going to p- be physical. They've got a lot of talent, uh, uh, you know, all throughout that roster. And Texas, this it's put up or shut up this year. I mean, if I, I really don't, if they don't make the playoffs or at least win the Big Twelve, I think it's a failure of a season. And I think that immediately, unless something crazy happens, like when Ewers gets hurt and that he misses, you know, half the season. Um, I think uh, if you fail to win the Big 12, Texas is going to be on the hot seat this year. Uh, or, I mean, Sarkeesian is going to be on the hot seat this year. Um, whether it's warranted or not, I'm not sure. They're starting to get really, really good talent, but they've always gotten good talent. It's put up or shut up for them. They need to win the Big 12 this year. I like that pick. Um, I- I'm going to go with another Texas game. This one's really, really, really boring. I wrestled with having Texas Tech, Texas Tech, Texas, because that is a fun one at the end of the year, November 24th, where both teams could be. That could be a matchup that decides who goes to uh, gets one of those big 12 spots um, for the championship. But I got to go with the Red River uh, rivalry there, um, Oklahoma, Texas, because my one thing with the Texas Alabama game, if Texas falls short, I'm not sure they'll get they'll get um, hurt that badly by losing to Alabama on the road. Um, if they don't beat Oklahoma, that's probably their season because I, I do think they're gonna they're gonna lose to Alabama. I think it's gonna be a good game, but it'll be close, and um, they'll you know Alabama will squeak one out there. But if they don't if they don't look like world beaters against Oklahoma, I know Oklahoma's gonna play well because it's a big game. But if they do something like they did last year at Oklahoma, then that puts you know Texas right in a spot to 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 run the table and win the Big Twelve. If they struggle, and if God forbid they were to lose. That could send them, you know, people could quit on that team, and that could send them into a downward spiral. So I've got that matchup. It's always the, probably the biggest one in the Big Twelve from a, um, a, a from two conference opponents uh, standpoint. So give me the Red River rivalry. Red River rivalry or shootout, depending on who you ask. All right, let's move it along here, Pierce. Let's talk about the team slash the coach that has the most approved, or if you're taking the the coach perspective, might be on the hottest seat this season. Um, not a hot seat. What he did last year for my, you know, my, my pick, I should say not on the hot seat. What he did last year is absolutely phenomenal considering how down in the dumps this team has been. But I think he's got the most to prove his squad does because was it a flash in the pan? And that is the Kansas Jayhawks. Obviously Lance Leipold miracle worker. They were undefeated heading into the TCU game. People were excited for them. They're one of those teams, you know, kind of like not everybody's going to feel this way. So I'm going to say this knowing that somebody's going to be listening going, ew, I would never want that team to be good. But, you know, we all kind of were rooting for Detroit last year, the Lions in the NFL, because a team that's been so bad for so long, it's kind of fun to see them do well, um, especially if you like parity in a sport. And Kansas getting a little bit better is, or oh, not even a little, a lot better compared to the past few years was exciting for everybody. That's, that is, um, you know, some uh, uh, an underdog story that we all can rally around. So it's, I think that they have a little bit of pressure right now um, to prove that that wasn't a flash in the pan. I don't necessarily think it was. I think that they're bringing back a ton of talent. Um, but you know, you got to let the, the chips have to fall. Right. We all know when you play sport, things can go crazy. They can go wackadoodle. Um, so we'll see what they do defensively. That's going to be more of a question mark than on the offense. Um, Jalen Daniels, is he going to ball out? Is he going to, you know, take a little bit of a step back? I don't know, but they're my biggest, uh, most approved team because of that reason. You could also throw TCU in here. I went back and forth with this, um, TCU. I feel like you could put on every single one of these topics because of the season they had last year, but another first year coach that absolutely did phenomenal things, a school that hasn't been down in the dumps at all, but went to the national championship, 
how are they going to respond? It's all anybody wants to talk about with TCU is how do they respond to that level of defeat? Obviously, Max Duggan is gone, but Chandler Morris is back. He was the starter at the beginning of the season. Is he, you know, in tip top shape? I don't know. Um, so those two teams, but I'm going to go with Kansas most to prove because of that. And I hope, I hope that they keep it, the ball rolling. Um, but I've just learned too much through my sports watching years that sometimes a Cinderella story is just that. So we'll see what happens with the Kansas Jayhawks. Pierce, I hope I didn't steal your thunder by squeaking TCU in there, but who is your most to prove slash hottest seat? No. So I'm going to attack this from two different angles. The first angle, uh, <clears throat> most to prove, I think it's got to be Brent Venables and Oklahoma. If you look at last season, it was an abstract failure. They, you know, really kind of laid down. They didn't look very talented. Um, <clears throat> And that's a scary thing for an Oklahoma team who's used to being in that, you know, top two in the conference and, and fighting for a playoff spot. Um, and, and you add to last year's struggles. And that's a fan base that knows they're going into the, to the SEC next year. They brought Brent Venables over because they needed a more physical style of play and they needed to try to figure out this defense because they knew if we go into the SEC with that, this, you know, weak defense and that doesn't really like to tackle and gets run over by even not the greatest uh, offensive teams, we're going to struggle in the SEC because they play defense and we're going into wars week in and week out. And last year just did not work under Brent Venables. I think uh, I think year two, he ought to see a jump. How much though? That's why I think it's the most intriguing. Can he get them up to nine, 10 wins, wins um, and you know be back where they're used to being? Or is this a seven, eight win team? Um, and 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 in my opinion, an Oklahoma team that goes eight wins is is a failure also. So um, he could be on the hot seat pretty quickly, or you know they could return back to to relevancy uh, rather quickly with just one season. Um, hot seat though, I got to go from a different angle. Hot seat, I got to go um, Neil Brown at West Virginia. He's a lame duck. Um, he he's gone no matter what happens. I think this year, I I, I don't think they're going to be all that all that good. Um, he's, he's somebody I, I have heard, uh, over the last year that West Virginia just doesn't have the money to pay for his buyout and, and go after somebody that's worth the, you know, worth anything. So, you know, maybe he makes it to the end of the season. I think him, and I also will go Dana Holgerson. I think those two are probably fired mid season. I don't think they'll make it to the end of the year. Let me ask you what has to happen for there to not be more of a fire put under Gundy's seat. Because I think Gundy might be getting uh, a little bit hotter. I mean, I know he's been there forever, and he is Oklahoma State. But you know, they are getting they're they're being a little bit slighted because Oklahoma's moving on to the SEC. They're stuck in the Big Twelve. They feel you know they're going to lose Bedlam. They're feeling some type of way about that. What I mean, if if he goes six and six, did people start calling for his job? I don't know. That's a good question. I think he's one of those guys that has been um, been there for so long. He's, uh, you know, he seems to pull seasons where they're not expected to do anything, you know, out of nowhere, out of thin air. He, um, this is actually one of those years. I'm not on their bandwagon, but this is one of those years where they're not talked about. Um, I expect them to, to, you know, if you're just following what Gundy's been able to do there for the last two decades, this is one of those seasons where they ought to surprise folks. Um, I'm not seeing it fully, but I think he's got at least another year. Here's the one kicker to that, or the one exception to that. Last year, you know, he had, there was some turmoil in that locker room, and um, you saw Spencer Sanders transfer out and go to a situation where he's 
not even going to, from what I've heard, not even going to win the starting job at Ole Miss. So he basically is a lame duck that just went to a, a, a situation where he's not, I mean, pretty much his career is probably over. And he could have stayed at Oklahoma State and been a legend there. Clearly, some some other people transferred out. Clearly, there's there's something going on in that locker room. Did Gundy nip that in the bud? I'm not sure. He might be getting into um, that a little bit more senile old age where he's kind of and he's a quirky guy and he's got that uh, unique personality. Maybe he's kind of jumping off the deep end into the conspiracy theory land. I'm not going to say that for a fact, but you never know. Maybe that's upsetting some folks. I don't know exactly, but um, I think he's got at least, I think he's fine for next year. Now, if they go two or three wins, I don't expect that to happen. Then I think there's some real conversations to be had in the season, but I think he's built up enough goodwill there um, to be fine into next season. Um, but certainly needs to figure that out because they've decided that they're going the transfer portal route. They've never been world beaters with um, recruiting. They've always done a good job at getting Juco talent in. Um, so between Juco talent and transfers, they hope to hit it big, but that's a, that's an interesting strategy uh you saw michigan state hit it big one year and then the last two years they've really struggled so um or the last year they struggled and i don't know if they'll be any good this year so we'll see how that works for them but um i, I kind of trust gundy to at least fill in the the holes where he's where it's needed i happen to agree with you we shall see what they do there in Stillwater. All right, let's move on here. We've been talking very macro. Let's talk more micro. Let's talk about the pieces that make up these teams and our dudes of the conference. Uh, go ahead and hit us with some of those dudes, Pierce. I'll, I'll sprinkle it a few at the end, but I don't want to overlap. So you hit us with your dudes. Okay. You know, I think the funny thing is when you look at it, a lot, some people, um, so peek behind the curtain here, I'm looking at, um, or, or I, I, you know, I know it's been talked down on, but Phil Steele's magazine is what I typically follow. That's my Bible. Um, whether, uh, it's the most popular or the best, I don't know, but I, I tend to like it. I've been following it for years. He's got Dylan Gabriel as the number first team QB. I think if that's the case, you're in trouble. The Big 12 is not in a good spot. Um, I would definitely say Quinn Ewers is a dude. I think he takes a step up this year. Um, you got Devin Neal running back at Kansas. He's a dude. Um, I love Xavier Worthy uh, wide out at Texas. That dude can absolutely fly. Got to fix some of the drops that he had last year, but that dude could be in for a big season. Quinn Ewers does throw a good deep ball, and that is the guy to go do it. Um, they also do have, I'm trying to think of his name. I'm drawing a blank, but they have a younger freshman receiver who's also a speed demon. So those two could be very dangerous. Um, on the defense side of the ball, I love Gabe Hall, Baylor, DN. He's a dude. Dominic Williams uh, coming off a great freshman campaign at TCU. Um, undersized D-tackle, kind of like I know it's it's always the comparison when you've got an undersized D-tackle to Aaron Donald. But um, I, while I'm not saying he is Aaron Donald, kind of, you know, one of those smaller guys, but uses his pads well, uses has great leverage and is uh, pretty quick for a big guy. I think he's a, he's a really good one. Um, Jalen Ford, linebacker, Texas is a stud. Danny Stutzman, also linebacker. Um, love these two cornerbacks that they've got on the first team. Uh, Josh Newton at TCU and uh, Kobe Bryant, who is at Kansas. Um, and then I think... There's a lot of other guys I could run through, but I got to throw one guy out who might not be a household name of the Big 12 because he just transferred in. Jalen Catalan transferred over from Arkansas, and when that guy was healthy at Arkansas, he was an absolute stud. I think he's going to be a big, he's going to have a big impact for Texas, and I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he's um, a, a, a first team all Big 12 and potentially all American when the season is done, as long as he can stay healthy because he is that good. Well, to just not a rebuttal, but just to kind of maybe provide a little bit more clarity, Dylan Gabriel is the uh, returning leader in passing 
in terms of what he did last year. So that could be why. But I agree with you. I think it's Quinn Ewers or Bust. Um, I think he's potentially in New York. But I, I already uh, shouted him out. Kansas quarterback Jalen Daniels is another one that could potentially put up some numbers, some numbies, if you will. So uh, that's good. I like that list of dudes, um, people to, to kind of. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to add one more, yeah. and this is another long shot. This is way longer than Jalen Catalan because I think he's a shoe in to have a really uh, good season, regardless of if he, you know, makes as big an impact as I think he will. I think he's going to be a good, good starting player in the Big Twelve. Probably will be on the on the Big Twelve, uh, you know, first or second team when all is said and done. Jackson Arnold, keep your eye on him. The kid is an incoming freshman, big kid. A lot of people think he might've been the best, most talented passer coming out of high school last year. If Dylan Gabriel gets hurt or if he struggles, this kid could come in and make an impact right away. Remember the big 12 is not like the sec where you're kind of, you're, you're just thrown out there to get slaughtered um, regardless of how good you are. The big 12. Now you can come in and because there's a lot of uh, the defenses are more spread out. Uh, the offenses as a result of the offenses, um, you can pick apart defenses if you've got a good system. Um, so if and he also might be one of those guys, that's too good to keep off the field. Um, so I think that dude is someone to watch out for. If he comes in, um, you know, sometime through the season, watch out for him. He could be a potential um, uh, Heisman candidate in his sophomore or junior campaign. All right, well, let's move it on here, Pierce. Let's talk about our best, worst, and sleepers teams. Best team prediction here for the Big 12. I'll go first. It's the Texas Longhorns. Hate to go chalk with it, but let's be honest here. They've got the pieces. They've got the coach. They had some slip-ups last year, but they were close. Alabama being one, like we already talked about. Um, TCU, they only lost by a touchdown. Oklahoma State, that one to probably they would like to take back. That was only a touchdown as well. And then the end of the season uh, in the Tex or the Dallas Alamo Bowl, I'm sorry, in the Alamo Bowl, 20 to 27 to Washington. But that's one of those situations where, you know, did they want to be there? I don't know. They're opt outs, that kind of thing. Um, there's no reason why, if I'm looking at their schedule right now, the only games that I'm really circling as potential, uh oh, what could happen here at Alabama? That's a big one. Red River rivalry. They won that last year 49 to nothing. It was an absolute slaughtering. I do think Oklahoma gets better. Don't think Oklahoma's going to get embarrassed that much again. But I think they win that game. And then potentially at TCU, it depends what TCU is doing in the season. Will they have taken that big step back? Uh, it's really late in the season. It's in Fort Worth. There's a potential, and you know, I've seen you just absolutely get angry about TCU in Texas. Absolutely. Everybody in the state of Texas hates the Longhorns. Um, so that's one that TCU could potentially get well, really... If you, most people like Texas in the state of Texas. Unless you went to another school. That's what I meant. The other schools. The other schools. Yes. That's, I just, see, I got heated there. My blood pressure just went up. Agreed. I had to check to see if I was having a stroke. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, sorry. Yes. I, most people are Texas fans in the state of Texas. If you're not a Texas fan, you absolutely, there's no, there, it's no love lost. There's no like, I mean, this is not really fair, but just growing up in the state of Tennessee, Tennessee fans don't like Vandy, but like, oh, cute, cute. Um, that's not, I mean, it's like iron bowl level where like, you know, you lose to Texas, your whole, whole world is crumbling and your year is done. So Texas fans think of the same way. They think of that same thing. They look down at TC and go, Oh, that's cute. Well, we've only beaten them twice in the last 10 years. So yeah, maybe we need to figure something out. Maybe they need to figure something out. And, And this could be another year to my point about coming to having to go to Fort Worth. We'll see if Sonny Dykes 
has a machine rolling or whether or not that was a blip on the radar. He got kind of lucky or whatever, but that's going to be a big one. So I'm looking at Texas as the best team here in the Big 12 because I think that they at least win two of those. I think you're looking at a potential one-loss season, two-loss season at the most, um, and I think that they uh, could potentially absolutely have a playoff spot at the end of everything when all is said and done. Going to have to have some pieces fall their way. Um, I think this is a year that we're not going to see a lot of chaos. I think it's going to be very, uh, you know, here are your big dogs, big jump off. Here are your the rest of the pack. I think Texas is trying to create a little bit of separation there. So they're my favorite team, uh, or, or rather my pick for the best team in the Big 12. Really don't don't like them in general, but pick for the best team there. Who's your uh, who's your bet? Yeah, this is this is tough. Um, I, you know, I do think Texas is the most talented team. I do, I lean them winning the conference, but you know, if it, if the last 15 years weren't enough information for, for me to say, well, they never freaking win it. Even when they are good, I'm going to go Kansas state. Um, I know they won it last year. I'm sure Kansas state will come middle of the pack this year. Cause I predicted it, but they have Will Howard back. Um, <clears throat> he came in uh, midway through the season and, and really was a good, quarterback um you know good passer of the football i do worry a little bit because deuce vaughn is gone and it looks like he might play a big role there in dallas for the cowboys but that does that is a bummer because he was such an impact player for kansas state um but they do have a good running back behind him and dj giddens ready to take the helm um they've got a pretty darn good offensive line three of which are on the first team or second team preseason all conference in hadley panzer kt leviston um and Cooper Beebe. So I think they'll still be able to run the ball. They'll be able to protect Will Howard. Um, they lost a couple good defenders, but they, I think they'll still replenish. I love what this coach does. They just come out and, and play a brand of football that I like They They run the ball. They play play action and, and can throw the ball now with Will Howard is a, uh, you know, last year, I remember Aiden Martin, Adrian Martinez was the quarterback and he was running it a lot of the time. And Will Howard is going to be back there throwing the ball. Um, they've got good blockers to keep him upright and to bl- make you know create holes for DJ Giddens and company. Um, and and I think they play a brand of football that's a little bit more like an SEC squad from the standpoint that they don't have the talent that uh, you know Texas has or any of the SEC teams have or, or you know the upper echelon. But they play a more physical style that wants to kind of beat you up. Um, and 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 I'm not sure you know Texas has way better athletes, but. Texas Tech or Texas's defense, you know, has left a lot there to be desired. So um, I'm going to go Kansas State to repeat. I don't think it'll be pretty. I certainly think for them to do it, Texas will have to lose two conference games. I would think um, maybe Kansas State could lose only one and and you know win the tiebreaker there. Um, but give me Kansas State because Texas has just simply left me. Uh, you know, they 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 a lot to be desired there. They never win it when you think they will. That is very fair. Well, let's flip it over here. Let's talk about our worst team in the conference. We might have the same one here. You've already blistered them in the hottest seat. It's the West Virginia Mountaineers to me. Neil Brown has not been able to do anything in his four years as the Mountaineers head coach, 22 and 25 over those four seasons. Uh, I don't think year five is going to be any different. Um, I'm just going to go through a little quote here, Pierce, uh, from an opposing anonymous opposing Big 12 assistant coach. They look like a MAC team. Not, no offense to Mac, the Mac teams, but they look like a Mac team. That's not going to win it in the Big 12. Uh, Neil Brown didn't fire his coaches. He's a loyal guy, but it's also a sign he knows it's a personnel issue. He's a quality human and a smart guy, but they seem backed into a corner. They are going to not have a transfer quarterback this year, which they've been relying on. They don't play physical anymore. They're small. If you look at their roster, they're very small compared to the rest of the Big 12. 
Um, and I quite frankly forget about them because they're all the way over there and the rest of the teams are all the way over in the uh, Southwest area region of the country. Uh, I just think West Virginia, to your point, I think that they need to fire Neil Brown. I think they know they need to fire Neil Brown. I don't know why they're not going to do it. Uh, maybe there is that conspiracy, some, some uh, conspiracy theory about money or whatever, but they're going to be bad. They're going to be really bad. They've got a tough schedule. They start at Penn State. They have Pitt at home this year. They could get up for that, but I've been cu- very accustomed the past few years of watching West Virginia teams talk a big game and you think, oh, West Virginia, because of the, the brand power and what they might have been in the past, and then they absolutely get slaughtered. So I don't think that's any different. They have to go to C- TCU. Uh, they have to go to UCF for what it's worth to Oklahoma, and then they finish at Baylor. So I think it's going to be a really tough year for them. I, I think maybe they sniff a couple of games, game wins. You know, Duquesne, maybe Houston. That's that's it. So I don't like them this year. I, I feel bad for West Virginia fans already. Uh, what about you? You going the same, or you, you got a different team? No, I'm going different. I think it's one of the four teams you mentioned. Can you take a guess? Uh, Houston. No, close. Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Cincinnati is going to really struggle to make the jump. Sadly, I think if they make the jump last year, they're much, much better equipped to come in and, and win some ball games, uh, in the big 12, especially in a conference that's a little bit more wide open. It's easier to score. Um, you know, they, they under Luke fickle, they played a better brand of football. That was a little bit more physical, had some dudes on the, you know, on the perimeter, uh, at cornerback and, you know, at wide out with Alec Pierce and, um, a really good, well-coached squad with some serious talent. Um, they have been absolutely raided by Luke Fickle, who left uh, for Cincinnati, took whoever he wanted. Um, you got new head coach Scott Satterfield. Um, you know, listen, I think he left a lot to be desired at Louisville, had a great first season. Um, but I, I just I don't see it. They only returned nine starters um, off of last year's team. I don't think that's great. The only benefit for them is that they do avoid um, Texas, TCU, and Kansas State. But I just can't see them, um, you know, making a bowl this year. It's a it's a massive jump up to go. I mean, it, when TCU made the jump, I know they weren't um, they lost a lot off of that Rose Bowl team when they made the jump, but they were in the bottom of the Big Twelve that first season um, or first two seasons. It wasn't until year three, I believe it was, where they made the jump up and actually were competing um, and and made a bowl game or or you know won seven or eight games. Um, I think Cincinnati's in for a rude awakening. Um, I just don't see it this year. I mean, certainly West Virginia, I like that pick too. They were a toss up with me. Um, you could even throw Houston into that mix. Um, but, you know, making that big jump, losing a lot of players, losing your head coach and losing some other coaches off of that team, brand new staff. I just don't see it this year uh, with the Cincinnati Bearcats. I think they really struggle. But the good thing is, if Coach Satterfield is worth, you know, worth anything as a coach, he ought to still be able to get talent as they've shown that they can produce and, and develop there at Cincinnati. So hopefully in uh, year three or four that they're able to, uh, you know, start making some, some you know, headway in, in this conference. Well, let's talk about the final topic of the night. It's our sleeper team. I'm going to go hit you with something that uh, maybe you're not expecting because you think all the four teams coming in are going to be bad. I think UCF has the chance to make some ripples. I think that you're looking at a team that has, you know, kind of always been on the precipice that we've always talked about UCF, you know, the national championship stuff, notwithstanding, obviously going undefeated is hard no matter where you play, what conference you play. They've done that in the past. Gus Malzahn should have never been fired from Auburn for what it's worth. They were actually winning with him. Uh, But Gus Malzahn is their coach, 
and he's right. He's he, this is the, he's got the gig of a lifetime. He's getting still paid out by Auburn. He's got no pressure really at UCF. Yes, they're joining Big 12, but he's played high caliber. He knows what it takes to be that level of competition. UCF draws a very favorable schedule. Uh, Kent State, Boise State, Villanova, Kansas State, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma. You do have to go to Norman for that. Uh, But West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Houston. I can't point to more than maybe a loss. Maybe even go undefeated potentially. I'm not kidding. I think that they're that good. Um, Or sorry, I think that that is that favorable of a schedule. Um, You know, there is something to be said about, you know, playing a schedule like a Big 12. There's a reason that these teams are given the benefit of the doubt when it comes to playoffs and such. But I think UCF is going to be a sleeper team. I think they're one that you could be looking at down the stretch. And it's like, well, we know Texas is the best team in the Big 12, but who's the second best? Is it Oklahoma? Is it UCF? I could see that being something pundits talk about. Um, I like them. I, I really do. It's tough to play there too in Orlando. Um, I forgot what they call it, Pierce. The actual name of it is FBC Mortgage Stadium. But what do they call? They have a, a kitschy name for it. It's the Bounce House. No, that's Wisconsin. I thought. No, I think. Is it the Bounce House? Oh man, I think it's the Bounce House. Okay, yeah. I think you might be right. Actually, for some reason, I thought that was Wisconsin. Um, but regardless, you've had that for a while. Um, I think that UCF yeah. the Bounce it's the House. House. We've always said it's that's one of those places it's tough to play. They get really excited. Um, I like UCF to be a sleeper team here. What about you? You know what's funny? You know what's ridiculous? I'm sure they have a good story out why it's named the Bounce House. But just like they did trying to claim a freaking national championship a few years back, it makes so much more sp- sense for Wisconsin's stadium to be named the Bounce House. What are we doing? Well, because of jump around. UCF just steals everything. It's ridiculous. Oh, they steal everything. Ridiculous. They do have one of the coolest retro logos. Of all time. The little astronaut which guy. One? The little astronaut. Oh, yes. <clears throat> which they were the Argonauts. It's strange. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. I think they it's have very cool. I think they have good colors. I, I think they're uh, I think it's fun. I think they'll you know it's funny, <clears throat> I think that they will look more normal in the Big Twelve from a uh, from a jersey standpoint. I think uh, they kind of fit in a little bit better with the new age. <clears throat> which we'll see if I'm I'm correct on that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm have lost my mind. I don't know. Uh, because I am going with my most surprising team. I'm going with the TCU Horn Frogs. Hear me out on this. I'm just a kidding. sleeper I'm team. TCU. I'm going Texas Tech. Okay, thank you. I'm going Texas Tech. Listen, I do have something to say about TCU. I think that the people who think that TCU is going to struggle this year have lost their minds. I think they're crazy. I think they need to get away from whatever they're sniffing um, because I know TCU lost. They return only three players on uh, offense when it comes to starting. But if you look back. Chandler Morris makes a fourth and and quarterback is such a big deal. And from what I've heard that they, they feel pretty good about Trey Sanders, the uh, transfer coming in from Alabama. Um, they also have um, Bailey. I think it is uh, who got some good snaps last year at running back. I think he's going to be um, somebody who, uh, who will have a good impact. They've got some young freshman receivers. They always have receivers. So even though losing Quentin, Quentin, Quentin Johnston can't replace that, um, you know, they will have some solid players. And I think Chandler Morris is going to have a great season. Um, I'm a little bit worried about the line. I think the most, uh, I think they'll be okay. I think the spot where they struggle the most is on, uh, on the edge, um, on the defensive line. Uh, but their defense has some studs in the back end. So I do think TCU, I, I don't think it's a 12 and 0 season like last year, but I do think TCU gets to eight wins this season, but Texas tech has got to be the sleeper. And I hate this pick because I, it's gotten so much pub the last month and a half. That they're just there's no way they can live up to the hype, but 
everyone's sexy pick is Texas Tech, and I, I do get why. When you break it down, you got that second year jump potentially from a coach in Joey McGuire. He's always, uh, you know, he's going to recruit well. He's from that high from the high school ranks in Texas, so he's built up a lot of great, um, a lot of great juju with those uh, with those you know, bigger schools and, and, and in Texas from a high school standpoint, um, and, and has built a lot of goodwill there as well. So coaches are, are, it's easier to send players to those programs. Um, and when you look back, so here's an interesting stat or not stat, here's an interesting thing to take, take into consideration. Sonny Dykes last year took over a team that had 18 returning starters. Texas tech returned 17 this year. They're going to be very experienced if they can take that jump up. If Joey McGuire has, is able to coach his guys up and they're able to take that next step, there's no reason why they can't compete for the Big 12 championship. So give me Texas Tech as the number one sleeper in this conference of 2023. There you go. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. That is going to do it here for our Big 12 preview. We're trying to keep this a little shorter and sweet for y'all. Uh, we know that there's a ton of media out there to consume preseason. It's probably the best part of the year. It's the build up to the ball dropping, right? Like the season is fun. That's what we watch for. But there's something about the build up when you're listening to the fall camp intel and and scrimmages, and you you know that it's coming, it's coming, and you have your first crisp morning. So we're trying to keep trying to keep these brief, trying to keep these uh, you know so that you don't uh, so that you're prepared but that you're not uh, getting inundated with too much. So uh, let us know your thoughts on social media at Brag and Pod on both Twitter and Instagram or X, whatever we're calling it nowadays. Uh, let us know your thoughts with this. If there's anything we're not covering with these previews you want us to cover or anything you think is redundant, we're open to criticism. We are open to criticism. Lord knows every time I talk to our father, he gives us some piece of, he's like, y'all are doing great. Best you've ever been. But, and I'm like, all right, everything before the butt is bullshit, Mike. Um, all right. So like I said, follow us at Brag and Pod. We are going to be back in just a little bit of time with our next preview. We'll probably go, uh, I'm thinking, ACC next. Just leave the two behemoths. Yep, ACC. ACC. Leave the behemoths for the end. Uh, but until next time, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.